is the Not Ugly Pod, where we talk beauty that's odd. Look, I'm not a rapper, but you get the vibe. Hello, and welcome to the Not Ugly Podcast. I am your host, Sarita Fontanesi, pronoun she, her, and I am really so delighted to be joined by our guest today. I am joined by Stephanie Campos. Um, we met on social media, um, so social media does not have to be all bad, and I have just been such a fan of her work and like her aesthetic and like her ethos, and I'm really excited to talk today. I'll turn it over to you if you want to tell folks a little bit more about yourself. Thank you so much for having me. And likewise, I have just really enjoyed following along your journey and your content. And uh, I'm really excited to be here. But yeah, I am an astrologer, a psychic medium and a practicing witch. And I, I love fashion as well. So I love glamour magic. Yeah. When I got your email about this opportunity, I felt I got scared. I was like, oh my gosh, I, you know, it made me nervous, the topic. And I'm in a season of like, if I feel fear, it means I have to do that thing. Like whatever scares me. So I felt really excited by it at the same time. I was like, this is such an important topic and I am just really honored and flattered to be here. So thank you. Oh, I love that. Um, There's a really great book called Places That Scare You. And it was a book that was really important to me when I was in recovery from my eating disorder and I have reread it a few times, but it is all about this idea of if you are presented with someone, something that doesn't trigger the like fight or flight scared, it just triggers the like, oh my God, is this for me? Is this right? Should I be doing like that? Like immediate panic that wants to gaslight you and talk you out of it. Then that Mm -hmm. probably means there's some good medicine there, which was like such an incredibly healing message for me to take on. And this is a really great reminder. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So to get things started, I love to ask guests if you had a dumb amount of money. So we don't have any bills. We've never mm. even heard of a student loan. We are, we've got cash to burn. Mm-hmm. What beauty product or beauty treatment are you getting? Ooh. Um, I've never had Botox or anything like that. I would, I would maybe, you know, in, enjoy that. Or I've never had a facial either. I think that would be really nice and decadent. Um, I've seen like the micro needling that looks fabulous. Um, but yeah, I think I, I have a lot of, I have a skincare routine. So I am into like skincare products. Yeah. Um, but I think taking it to the next level and going to a professional, um, I'd probably start there. Yeah. I really feel that I've gotten Botox once and it was before my wedding Uh and I did what the esthetician or I don't know if that was actually her title but the person doing it licensed to do it um they did what they called baby Botox which sounds maybe unnerving Uh but basically is like they use half as much Botox as they would for like a full face Uh Um, because I was like I just want I want my skin to look really smooth and I sweat so much I was like I also just need to not sweat because fun fact if you are someone that suffers from really intense sweating like in your armpits or your hands people will get Botox there to help with the sweating and I was like no at all just a shower comes from my forehead so if you guys could just do like a line of protection (laughs) oh my gosh that's amazing I didn't know that that was even a thing 
Yes. So that is what I did. Um, I was just like, look, I'm not trying to pretend like this isn't for vanity. Like I'm getting mm-hmm. married. If there was ever a time to dump cash into like how I look, this mm-hmm. is the moment. And also because I was getting married in Southern California, it was in October, but it's still hot. (laughs) I'm not about to be sweating on my wedding day. Like not normal sweat. Like I'm not, I'm not exaggerating when I say like, I look like I just dipped my face in water. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So that was, so I did, I did baby, I did baby Botox for that. And definitely if I had the cash, I think it would be like a maintenance thing. I would probably do it like once a quarter because it can last up to like three months, depending Mm -hmm. on how you do it and how often you're getting it. But you know, like I, I could, I could see myself investing in that if I was in a higher tax bracket. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Do you have any other treatments that you would do? You know, I, I obviously think about this a lot because I ask people about it all the time. (laughs) Um, and I think, I think the other one is probably microneedling because Mm. it is one of those things where I have no clue what it does or how it works, Mm -hmm. but it seems to be something that people love and are like obsessed with. And again, if thinking about how to burn cash, like that feels like a pretty good place of like, look, I'm just going to lay down for an hour. A robot is going to like poke at my face. (laughs) I think I'm going to be glowing after. I don't know. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely, I, I feel like I'm close. This is, this is my year. I'll probably test out the baby Botox. I say, I say do it. We are pro augmentation with the caveat of as long as you're doing it in a way that like makes you feel good mm-hmm. versus like, oh, if I do this, then I'll look a certain way. And then all of my dreams will come true. Right. Like, we don't do that. But if it's like, fuck it, why not? Let's just, yeah. let's try out some Botox and see, see what it's like. See what the hype's about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. Now that we know what treatments we're getting simple, super easy, small question. What does beauty mean to you? Well, so I'm an astrologer, so I'll probably have a lot of astrological references in here. My Venus <laughs> is in Leo. It's part of my Leo stellium. You have a Leo stellium? I have a Leo stellium in my seventh house. So your girl's always going through it. Gosh, I'm a Leo stellium too. No wonder I'm I'm drawn to you. Yes. And my husband also has a Leo stellium and a Leo in Venus. And he's not an astrology person, he thinks. <laughs> but I'm always like, that is one of the truest things that bonds us. We have a similar shared experience and understanding of love. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I'm a Leo sun. I'm a Leo stellium and I feel it's going to sound cliche, but confidence, you know, just, you can feel the way that someone radiates, carries themselves. Um, I've always been drawn to eyes too. That's like where I go first with someone. I, you know, I do think that they are gateways into our soul. And those are like the main things that stand out when I think of beauty, what draws me into someone. As a fellow Leo, we get a bad rap for confidence turning into pride, which look, every sign and every placent placement has its pluses and minuses. So mm-hmm. don't bring all of this to us. <laughs> I I think Leo, you know, they get a bad rap for being self-involved, but I I do think there's a self-reflective quality of like learning about who are we? Why am I this way? Like, yes. Am I, can I be self-obsessed? Of course. I can't tell you how many selfies I take a day, whether I have makeup on or not. Like it doesn't stop. It's disgusting. But 
it, it's not about like, I want to post them and get attention. I don't know, even just scrolling back through my photos, it's interesting to see like, where was I on that day? What was I going through? What emotions were I feeling? Uh, you can see it through, you know, not just yeah. from your outfit or looking fierce, but the expression on your face. And I don't know, it tells a story. Also, I am very grateful that I get really great sunlight. And so there are often times, and I have a big backyard. And so there are often times where it's a series of photos of, of selfies of me in the sun and like capturing yes. the sun. And one, as a Leo, we are ruled by the sun. The sun literally like recharges us. Mm-hmm. But two, also, it's so nice to have that moment where I caught myself off guard admiring myself. And mm-hmm. like, especially as someone who has spent a lot of time tearing themselves down and had to do a lot of work and healing to get to this place. It's really nice to be like, you know what? The sun on my skin today is just really working for me. Or this Mm -hmm. moment, like you said, this moment, this time, this place, whether it ends up being consumed by people on social media or not. I'm like, I'm into whatever's happening right now. And I want Mm -hmm. that captured and saved in some way. Yeah. It's like a little time capsule and there's no better selfie than when there's like rays of light emanating, you know, around you. So I I get it. I get it. And every Leo sun is different, right? Mine is square Pluto. That is a a very intense aspect in astrology. So I think it's important for me, at least like it's an involving journey. Some days I wake up and I feel confident and gorgeous and, you know, beautiful. And other days there's totally self-hatred and difficult emotions that come up. So yeah, it just, it ebbs and flows. And I think that's another reason why I like to take selfies and capture the moments because it helps me go back in time and access, you know, other moments where I was feeling more confident to remind myself of my light. Absolutely. Like sometimes I just need to remember that even if in this moment, I might not be channeling that or, and I might not feel like I have capacity to channel that. It's so helpful to remember that I was capable of doing it before, which means I will be capable of doing it again later. It doesn't have to be right now because like the scam of depression is everything feels so present and for forever. I can't get out of bed right now and I'm never going to be able to get out this will be life forever yeah and so especially like in in deep depressive states and before like I got on medication and therapy like before all the things like there was truly nothing more soul crushing than like an I can't get out of bed day yeah because it just felt like well I'll never (laughs) This is where I live now. This is my life. Coming back to astrology for a moment. Mm-hmm. My son sits in my seventh house along with my stellium, but then Pluto sits in my 10th house in Scorpio. Mm. So for non-astro folks, 10th house is all about your legacy and like the story you'll leave behind. Pluto, our planet of big change, big shifts, a little chaotic in a sign that loves to excavate and loves to dig deep to the like underworld not like it's like dig deep to the heart of the matter no no Scorpio wants to keep going underneath until we get to Haiti so for me like so much of my brain space Mm -hmm. is it's hard to stay present because Mm -hmm. I'm constantly being pulled by what will, how will people remember me? What impact will I leave on the world? What will be the story that the people tell about me after me, which is super amplified by this Leo sun attached to all these other Leo planets 
in a house of partnership, seventh house is partnership and how you connect to others. The moral of that story for the people who aren't here for astrology, so much of who I am today, it is very easy for it to get bogged down by what are people thinking about yesterday's me? Mm-hmm. Like, can I make this choice? Can I do this thing? And if I do, what will they say? What will happen? Yeah. And it's super easy for me to fall into that place. And, and again, I'm, I have so much gratitude for the work that I've done to be able to pull myself back out of it. Because when you sit at the mirror or you're getting dressed or you're trying to go out and just live your fucking life and you have this tape that's running that's saying, well, do you really want to put that on? Because then everyone will see you and perceive you. And that might not be the thing that you want today mm-hmm. or really how you want to adorn yourself with like your makeup and your jewelry, because that sends this kind of message. And if that's how people perceive you, then you have to show up like that all the time for forever. Like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just going to the grocery store. Like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And Pluto is where we have our like obsessions and fixations. And so it's an overwhelming energy. Everyone has Pluto in their chart, but when it's connected to your personal planets like that, it, you know, becomes woven into the fabric of your daily life. I think what's interesting is my stellium's in the first house, my Pluto is in the fourth. So it it almost flip-flopped. And I think a lot of how growing up, how I wanted to present, like teenage Stephanie wanted to wear a studded belt, have like a little, you know, those like ball necklaces around my neck, like punk rock, you know, or die. But I was very uh, aware and conscious of how I would be perceived by my family and, you know, the cultural expectations, the family expectations. Um, So that was something that really influenced me. And it wasn't really until last year that I just started saying, fuck it, teenage Stephanie is taking over. Yes, everyone talks about inner child work and don't get me wrong it is so incredibly important to heal those child wounds and also inner teen work that's where it really gets spicy (laughs) yes yes oh my gosh it's a roller coaster it's a it's truly a roller coaster like all of that teenage angst that you weren't allowed to process in the ways that you wanted to process showing up for me and my almost 33 year old self being like I want to wear the necklaces that look like candy and I want to like say bad words just because like I like <laughs> I just want to be rebellious and like these fun lighthearted ways that like I was not allowed to do and could not do in my teenage years which is the perfect segue because how has your definition of beauty changed over time? It wasn't until the past couple of years that I was able to reflect back on my teenage self and even my younger self because I have been in a very like constant state of dissociation, I would say, just from my childhood, that I wasn't able to be present and hold space and reflect on how I was perceived, how I showed up, um, how I played small, how I tried to protect myself um, regards in regarding to my appearance, my parents. But I think having done that and, you know, it's an ongoing process and being able to be honest and reflective with myself has only helped um, and also made me aware of how much I was and still am. I mean, we're indoctrinated by these 
beauty standards, by white supremacy, by all of the things. And yeah, it had a major, major impact on me. I mean, I remember the first time I felt big and uncomfortable in my body, I was in fourth grade. And that's so sad. And I remember sitting like vividly in this chair and lifting my feet off the ground because I didn't want my thighs to look big. And I, and I weighed like 90 pounds. You know what I mean? Like I was a little fourth grader. It's sad. And you know, if I, I grew up in the nineties and that's like the age of what heroin chic and yep. nothing tastes as good as skinny feels, yep. uh, <laughs> gross. Yeah. It, so, you know, like yeah. you, you, you get this messaging and this programming all around, whether it's from the media, from our textbooks, from posters, from billboards, just everything. So now I just try to honor my teenage self and dress and embody what would have made me happy, what would have made me proud. And I also, it wasn't until honestly, like two years ago or so that I felt pretty for the first time without makeup, which is really sad. It's hard. You know, we, especially having also grown up in the nineties, right? Like we went through, obviously every generation has its shit, but I feel like what was so uniquely painful for us was we were sold this bill of lies of really unhealthy bodies being considered a norm and a standard and and like the like the models and and like that whole aesthetic was really commodified as if they just wake up like this this is just who they are and so that means you should be able to do it too and I think one of the biggest differences that I notice about like toxic beauty culture and image from today is there there is a greater understanding and awareness of how makeup and filters and fillers and surgery and like all uh, how all of these things culminate to create this quote-unquote ideal whereas again for us it was like nope this is just how they are and we're never going to talk about how they don't eat and they just smoke cigarettes all the time and all have intense like mental health yeah physical like we're just going to ignore it and that's just who they are. It was it was quite a lot. I and, and to your point everyone every generation has I can't I can't imagine growing up with Instagram or TikTok. Absolutely not. Very very grateful that for that miss skipping yeah. that but um yeah it's uh it's complex. I think beauty is very complex and layered and uh yeah it's just such an important thing to discuss. I'm so glad that you're creating this space for these conversations. Thank you. Um, I I truly feel so grateful to have so many folks that are in my world that feel safe and comfortable enough to have these conversations with me and just be open and share, you know, like so many things that are deeply stigmatized. If we don't talk about the issues and we aren't honest about them, then we can't actually do anything. You yeah. Know, like, got to heal. You got to feel it to heal it. You got to talk about it to do something about it. Absolutely. And, And I think like, particularly when it comes to beauty as what I, what I have experienced and something that I've been thinking about a lot is how, you know, as the body positive movement really like came into its own and now is like this like staple in the world it for me started to create this very real pressure of like I don't always like my body I don't always love my body I don't always want to be aware of my body Mm -hmm. 
There are days even still, like I've been recovered for like seven years now. And even still, there are times where I'm like, I don't know, do I have to have a body? Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah. And so that's what like the, and so then starting to learn more about the body neutrality movement of just like, can we be okay and tolerate the fact that we all have bodies? They are all going to be different. No one's bad. We're all, we're all a good. And yeah. I found that comforting because it created space and validated me on those moments where I was like, look, I don't hate my body, but I also am just annoyed with it right now. Like, I really- right. And bodies <laughs> change on a monthly basis. Constantly. Yeah. And, and yeah, like, can we create space for, for bodies to just exist. And then like in the pandemic, looking for ways to hold on to some sense of normalcy, I started to get really into makeup because mm-hmm. I was like, the only thing that is keeping me out of a truly deep depressive state is recognizing like the change of time. Like each day is a new day. Uh-huh. And the way that I'm able in this moment to keep track of that is I wash my face at night and I put a new face on in the morning. So that means time has passed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a new day. I was like, well, that feels weird. And also somehow I feel like I'm in this like betrayal to the like cause of like people should be able to just exist in their bodies because I'm like, but makeup's so cute and so fun. And like, it's the only thing keeping me sane right now. (laughs) Uh I, you know, in the pandemic, that's the first time I ever got interested in makeup too, which I think is so fascinating. Our charts must've just been doing the same thing. I signed up for some, like, I can't remember what it was called, like Ipsy or something, you, like $10 a month. And they just send you yeah. random stuff. And, and that was I, what I looked forward to every month, you know, the, and as a oh. marker of passage of time, I kind of felt similarly, like, I mean, growing up and in high school, I never, I didn't, I wasn't big on makeup. I had like black eyeliner and that was it. Like, I don't even know if I used mascara, um, never covered up my pimples. I was always just so I, I never had foundation. My mom never talked to me about, you know, or I don't know, but for whatever reason, I think exploring and playing around with makeup became empowering and creative and like another form of self-expression. I I really enjoy it and continue. I'm continuing to play around with it. Yeah, I was similar. Like I was in theater. So to me, makeup was just stage makeup. So like in my day-to-day life, like I wasn't really using it or I had my special nice makeup from Dillard's that like my mom got me, but it was only for like competitions and dances. Like it was for special occasions. So I didn't really know what I was doing with it. Mom, grandma, can someone put a face on me? So yeah, I didn't, I didn't really wear makeup in high school. And then I sort of fell into that. I say trap because I know what my intentions were and they were not pure, but Mm -hmm. that trap of, oh, I don't wear makeup. Like I'm not one of those girls. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, And so like, it wasn't me being like, oh, like I'm making a conscious choice to not engage with this system or I just don't want to, or what, like it was definitely coming from a place of like, and this is how I separate myself and yeah. make myself special. <laughs> yes, yes. I I felt that too. I had a little bit of rebellion with makeup in that way. Um, but I think it's a very powerful tool. I love to use like glamour magic. And I think 
when you make yourself up, it's kind of like a magical spell. You know, you fake it till you make it, you embody a new version of yourself. And that's one way I like to use it. Do you mind telling people a little bit about what glamour magic is? Sure. I mean, there's so many different ways to engage in glamour magic, but I think it's using makeup, clothing, embodying a new version of you and, or a future version of you. You can draw sigils on your face with makeup as you're putting your makeup on. You can, um, you know, even as you like scrub yourself in the shower, you can wash other people's energies or old stories about yourself off. I mean, there's so many ways to engage in glamour magic, but it's using your physical form, your appearance to kind of access a new timeline and version of you, I'd say. One of my favorite forms of glamour magic is if I am noticing that I am getting into negative self-talk, if I'm noticing that it's starting to pick up more often, or even if there's just like a specific thing that I keep coming back to, I will clean my mirror and... And say, and like, you know, tell myself, like, we're releasing that negative talk. We're going to speak love and compassion over ourselves and like just take that time, like, two minutes to clean my mirror and then like reset. And it always feels so much lighter the next time I look at the mirror. And I'm actually, it's as if I'm able to see me and not this like projection of me that I kept throwing up at the mirror every time I was getting there. Yes. Yes. I, I was going to bring up mirror work. Yeah. I love cleansing my mirror and even like infusing what I use to clean my mirror with like Florida water or with certain herbs from my garden, just to kind of add some more potency and intentions, but I love doing mirror work. Do you practice mirror work? I haven't in a while. I used to have a more regular practice and this was especially true when I was I would say maybe like midway in recovery from my eating disorder, there was a time where it was like, I can't look at, be around, have a mirror anywhere near me. But as I was starting to rebuild that relationship, I would take time to really intentionally sit in my mirror. And there's truly nothing more simple and also powerful than just sitting in the mirror and making eye contact with yourself. Yes. And like allowing yourself to fully see you, not just physical form, but like who is in there. It it can be really scary. I'm not going to lie. Yes. (laughs) Especially if you haven't done anything like that before. But as like with any skill, as you build up the, your, your tolerance for it, the skill for it, you can really start to see like, what are the stories living within me and what do I actually want to hold on to versus what do I want? What do I need to see to acknowledge, to move on from? What do I want to put more attention into in my everyday life to, to change, right? Like it just can give you so much information. Yeah. I would love to hear about your practice as well, if you don't mind. It's so uncomfortable, right? Staring at yourself in the mirror for a long time. Um, and and that can be, it becomes empowering. I think for anyone who's just starting out, it's totally uncomfortable and scary. But over time, you you can spend more time looking at yourself in your reflection. I believe mirrors are portals. So when I look through a mirror, I feel like it's another dimension, like to be honest, quite frankly. Like I feel like that's me either in the past, in the future, or in some other timeline. When I look into that person's eyes, the energy I feel... I feel different thoughts than what I'm thinking. Do you know, does that make sense? You know, mirror work, like any type of spiritual work, right? Like you want to make sure that you are 
grounded, that you are protecting yourself, that you are protecting the space, that you are cleansing before and after, right? And it's because of you're tapping into something else. And and look, I, spirituality is such a spectrum and how people engage in it is unique to each person. And, and, but thinking about wherever you are on that, right? Anytime that you are doing like deep soul work, anytime that you are doing deep healing work, inevitably good, bad, and ugly is going to come up. And that's where that discomfort is. That's where that just unsettling, sometimes fear. And and I think that's why it's really important to remember, like, go as far as it feels safe yeah. and stop and come back to it later. And, yeah. and again, make sure that you're doing that maintenance um, mentally, spiritually, physically, um, so that, to your point, it can become empowering over time because you're learning to get more comfortable with yourself all the parts of yourself, not just the parts that are most alluring or enjoyable by others. Absolutely. And I I love to pair my mirror work with EFT tapping. Are you familiar with EFT tapping? Yes, yes. yes. So EFT tapping, um, just for those who aren't familiar, uh, it stands for emotional freedom technique. And it is the process of tapping on specific acupressure points while verbalizing anything. It could be an issue or it could be something you're hoping to manifest and call in. Um, but it's been studied and it actually creates new neural pathways in the brain and really helps rewire and release and kind of like, I, I consider it sweeping out my subconscious and it calms the nervous system. It lowers cortisol in the body. So I like to tap as I look in the mirror, um, whether I'm focusing on increasing my confidence or something related to my appearance and beauty or not just any issue that I'm moving through with EFT tapping. I find it's more amplified when you can like stare at yourself in the mirror. Yeah. I, um, learned about EFT a few years ago. Sometimes when you're really keyed up and like, you've got a lot of like anxiety, tension, like what, like just, uncomfy feelings Uh through you, it can be really hard to remember like, and this is how I do deep breathing. And this is how, like, you know, all the tools that you've been working on. And so something tactile like EFT, I found really soothing because I could just put that energy into something, then ground myself enough that then like my as my therapist calls it, my wise mind to come back online and be like, okay, so what do I actually want to do with this? I also have found because I got diagnosed with ADHD um, Mm -hmm. when I was 28. So pretty late in my life that so much of my like ADHD hyperfixation was getting attached to beauty because it got really easy to lock in on. I don't like this thing. Like this one thing bothers me, but my brain is hardwired to lock in on that. Yeah. And so now we're just going to stand in this mirror for 45 minutes, tugging at our shirt in 5 million different directions, hoping that one of them will make us not hate it anymore. Yeah. (laughs) And so something like 
EFT and 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 just some of the other like physical stuff that I've talked to my therapist about to help manage my ADHD has been really helpful in pulling me out of those like intrusive hyperfixated states especially as they relate to my body and my person and how mm-hmm. I see myself because as I'm sure you've experienced once you lock in on one thing that's wrong it's very easy to lock in on all the other things that you're perceiving as quote wrong none of it has to be true none of it has to matter <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I have a Virgo moon. So I have a list of everything that is wrong, right? Like my Mercury's in Virgo. So. Okay. Okay. So you get it. I have been what I would call internet diagnosed with ADHD this year, not officially diagnosed, but finally was able to see myself and give myself compassion. I, I don't, it was, it's been actually really healing for me to understand my mind and the hyperfixations in a new way. But yeah, the hyperfixations are, are real. Ooh, they are, talk about a portal. So we've talked a little bit about how you, how you think about beauty now, how that's changed. Um, and we're starting to get into this already with the hyperfixations. What makes you question your beauty? Oh my gosh, everything. Yeah. Super- <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's something that I've struggled with most of my life. I don't think, um, not to say that I don't have days where I feel like I'm beautiful. And I think recently within the past year, as I've started listening to and expressing my inner teen more, I have more days where I feel beautiful and comfortable. Um, but yeah, I suffered from an eating disorder at a young age and I wasn't even really aware of and conscious of. I was literally senior year had to have weight checks where they would like put me backwards on a scale where I wouldn't be able to see the numbers. And I still wasn't able to say like, I would be like, oh, I clinically have anorexia, but I'm not actually anorexic, you know, like I would, and I'm like, how is that real? Like deeply relatable. (laughs) Yeah. Like very much in denial. And a lot of that was just because of my dissociations. And as a, as a young child, I suffered from uh, childhood sexual trauma. I spent a lot of my youth covering up and being really afraid of my body and, you know, wearing like big sweatpants and big sweatshirts. And when I became a teenager, of course, I like did want to like express myself a little bit more, but there was still so much shame and guilt and fear. And a couple of weeks ago, for the first time, I like posted a picture of my butt on the internet and it scared the shit out of me. Uh, but- yeah. But, (laughs) but I was so proud of myself because it's something that I am, I do love my curves. I have a big butt, I have some big boobs and I am grateful for them. But at the same time, they're something that I've just been so shameful of. Um, for yeah. so long. So it felt really empowering. It feels healing as well to just tap into my sexuality and to reclaim it and own it in this way versus, you know, just hiding. I think so many of us that have dealt with childhood sexual trauma in particular, sexual trauma in general, when clear, will fuck you up. Um, yeah. But especially yeah. when it happens in childhood, there was never a firm foundation underneath you for understanding yourself, your body, how the world works, what the rules are, that then to have that soft foundation cracked, like it, it it's just, it's a different type of trauma is, is how I'll say it. But yeah. I, I, I think something that is true for a lot of us that have dealt with that and and are healing, working through that, is this idea of, from an early age, 
feeling like your body was never your own. Mm-hmm. It's, is this, this sense and this feeling of no autonomy, no ownership. You know, I also have dealt with childhood sexual trauma and, and then also just growing up, like I've always had this body. I had boobs and needed a bra in like the fourth or fifth grade. That sucked. Like it was awful because all the other girls did not have boobs or like maybe needed a training bra. And I was already wearing like a B cup in like the fifth grade and like being teased for it. And, And then again, internalizing that my body is simply for the consumption of others. My body is not my own. My body is to be used, abused, talked about, poked at, all all the things, and I have no say over that. And so then coming through puberty, where my body is, I'm definitely not in control of my body because Uh it's going through every change. Like Just, again, really chipping away at what was already a very fragile foundation and understanding. And I I was diagnosed with my eating disorder in 2013. Hmm. I was coming up on 23. Uh, There was a lot of disordered eating leading up to that, but a, a formal diagnosis, health concerns, all the things was, you know, my early 20s. And I, when I look back on it, I'm like, it really was like this culmination of all of my trauma had officially just become everything about, like my identity was my trauma. Yeah. And I wanted to separate myself from that. And the only way I could do that was to separate myself from my body. And Mm -hmm. the only way I could do that was starving it, was working out for two, three, four hours, was doing all of these things to keep me disconnected from it. And so obviously a big part of my treatment and healing was finding my body again and coming back to it, which was fucking terrifying. You want me to call this shaky ground home? No, thank you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Gonna be a no for me, dog. <laughs> I wasn't able to really reflect and remember and talk about the abuse until I started tapping. So in September of 2001 is when I started like tapping and journaling every day. And that was when I finally felt present in my body. And um, yeah, from there, it's been a a long and I think forever journey of healing. I think that it's always going to be dormant and something I need to watch out for. And I was at senior year. So that was 2007 um, when all of like the eating disorder stuff came to a head for me. And it was just all about control, finding control, because so much of that had been um, stripped away from me. There's this misconception or maybe like the way the media often portrays eating disorders. One, they only are in two thin white women from rich families who can afford very fancy treatment facilities. Two, that they are exclusively about body image and like the way people are seeing their bodies. And like, sure, body image absolutely played a part, but like that had nothing to do with it. (laughs) Yeah. Like that was like some fuel to the fire. But like if we were like, what started this fire? It was control. It was for me so much about this is how I assert autonomy. This is how I say I'm a grown up who's in charge of herself, who makes decisions for herself. No one's in control of me. No one's in control of my body. If I, I mean, I, I remember saying to my therapist at one point, if I want to kill my body, I will. And I can. Yeah. And like, which is like such a wow. fucking bonkers thing wow. yeah. <laughs> to think about as a healed adult. But it was truly like just like this deep 
guttural soul desperation for I have never felt like I have had a say about my body. Again, whether it was abuse and trauma, whether it was kids on the playground, whether it was often being the only Black girl and Black kid in most situations and everyone wanting to talk about my skin and how Black or not Black I was. Like, I had spent up to that point 23 years having no say and was like, I'll show you who's the boss. (laughs) Right. Right. I run this town. <laughs> I mean, it if, of course it it makes sense and it's um I think it's unfortunately like we still have such a long ways to go. It's very pervasive. The way that not even diet culture but like disordered eating culture is so many aspects of it are so normalized and mm-hmm. like they just gaslight you. <laughs> Do you think this is weird that we all talk about how many carbs we eat at around the water cooler? Yes. It's right. fucking weird. Or how many hours talk about like Jesus. yeah, yeah. How many hours you can intermittent fast or whatever? Like, fasting is an eating disorder. I will die it? on this hill. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's what I've kind of come to. Con- it is yeah. because the like premise of it is you only are allowed to eat. Yeah, eating certain foods during yeah. certain times, Red and flat. then you're not allowed to eat all the other hours of the day. And last time I fucking checked, <laughs> that lands you in treatment. So- yeah, yes, I it it's very much disordered eating. I found that I was doing that naturally, and then when people were talking about intermittent fasting, I was like, oh wow. I'm, I'm on top of it. I'm like, I have a, a healthy diet. And then I was like, no, this isn't healthy to like go 15 hours without eating and right. it's, feel like I'm going to fall asleep forever. Maybe it's not the best we could do to like have like some tea and like fruit and then all day eat nothing. And then at night eat a whole box of pasta. What if we had pasta at lunch and dinner. Like you can still have the box of pasta. That's not what we're upset about. What we want to look at is why did we go all day? (laughs) That's intermittent fasting. (laughs) I second that. Good, good. I'm glad you're in agreement. So my last question for you is what or who makes you feel beautiful? I don't, I don't even, okay. I think more so these days, and I think it's probably changed drastically within the past year. I would say these days, what makes me feel the most beautiful is when I've like just done my skincare routine. I have a fresh face. I feel moisturized. I'm in cozy PJs, sweatpants, and just comfortable. And I think maybe a year ago, I would have been like, when my wings match on my eyeliner and in some kind of sexy outfit, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I Now it's more about feeling comfortable and I am growing to appreciate and working on like recognizing just like my natural beauty and giving space. I try to show up on the internet and like film reels with no makeup on too and like without filters and just because so much of what's online is curated and 
that does fuck with my head. I'm sure it fucks with a lot of people's heads. And I think it's important to just show like, I've got busted blood vessels on my nose. I've got, yeah. you know, whatever. I'm human. I've lived a life. Um, my, yeah. my everything, I have like bags under my eyes or, you know, dark circles or whatever it is. Like, yeah, I just want to like normalize that a little bit more. So I try to, I do both. Yeah, absolutely. And look, that's so important to remind us of like balance, right? Like similar to an eating disorder, it's that all or nothing extremes and part of healing is is finding the middle and finding the balance of what feels good what feels right and knowing that those things will change and ebb and flow over time i really love though what you said about comfortable i for new year's eve like bought this like really gorgeous dress that i loved um it was velvet dark blue sweet neckline like midi length Mm -hmm. and the most like and i and i was like and i look banging but was most important was i was so comfortable Mm -hmm. like i wasn't wearing any shapewear which like no shade like whatever whatever you want to put on your business but like i didn't feel like i had to do anything to put the dress on and to feel good about it and i was yes that's a bad bitch if i've ever seen one also like when I do my skincare routine in the morning and the morning sun comes into the bathroom and I get to look in the mirror and see myself in this like moment of, I like so so much of healing from my eating disorder was me having to accept and learn that I do actually know how to take care of myself because I really beat myself up and was like, you know, I'm, I'm sick because of the choices that I made and then dealing with the health fallout that comes from eating disorders. I, I'm dealing with all of this because I treated my body, my body poorly. And it's all my fault, like still in that like blame yeah. space. And so, and that is work that I'm continuing. I'm, let me not tell anyone that I have solved that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's ongoing work. It's on exactly. It's ongoing work. And so finding these moments where I can recognize and honor myself as being comfortable with, with the human that's here in this moment and recognize that whether it was a face cream, cooking a meal, taking a nap, some form of, of self-care, of true self-care, using that as an opportunity to remind myself, like, look, you are capable of taking care of yourself. And even in my disorder, I have to remind myself, I thought I was taking care of myself. Right. That's mm-hmm. what I say all the time. The tools that you had in your toolkit at the time, you've yeah. got to go maybe. Right. Well, right. right. You've upgraded your toolkit. And yes. Yeah. We've swapped out some things. We've replaced some things. Yeah. We've got a new toolkit that's, or it's an ever-growing toolkit that's very yeah. exciting. Um, and, you know, it's not your fault if you tried to, like, put in a nail with a fork because you didn't have a hammer. Right. So right. That's, <laughs> we're, uh, we are humans doing our best. I, I'm an Aquarius rising. Yeah. Um, so I think I often get into this space of, like, Everybody just needs to remember that we are just on a floating rock in mm-hmm. leaks, doing our best, and none of this matters because none of it's real. So just try your hardest and move on. Yes. <laughs> and, um, yeah, but like we do still have like bills to pay and lives to lead. <laughs> yes, yes. But I don't know. I I just did well, not for the first time, but I just did mushrooms for like the first meaningful time. I did them outside for the first time. And oh my gosh. Yes. 
floating rock. We are on a floating rock. Like I, I still feel like my mind is um, expanding in new ways, but it puts a lot more in perspective. And yeah, it was also very healing. That's really exciting um, because it is on mushrooms are on my to-do list. Listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. On yes. the list. Um, but because I, <laughs> I have never felt mentally grounded enough, fully secure enough and grounded enough that even if I had a bad time, I could ground myself and not feel fucking wrecked yep. until the last few years. Um, and so the very first time was New Year's Eve, 2021. We sat in our backyard with camping chairs and took mushrooms and just watched the fireworks. Oh my gosh. And- like it was so lovely and delightful. Like we made tea. So like, we just sort of like, like it was just so lovely. And it was like these shrooms that we had like had for a minute. So they weren't super strong, Uh like brought them thinking that we were going to take them on a trip and then it just didn't happen. So it wasn't super strong, but it was just like so lovely to like sit in the back. We had a little fire. We were watching the like fireworks. We had our one dog at the time. Now we have two. Um, and so I was like, you know what? I think this year, like, I need to have a like intentional moment with mushrooms and just really see what the universe is up to, you know? Yes. Yes. It's so cliche, but I was like, I felt, of course, like I was one with earth and just, yeah, it just put a lot in perspective and calmed a lot. I have been sleeping. Like I have not slept this well in years. We love that. Anything that helps with sleep, we are pro. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Stephanie, thank you so incredibly much for coming on the show and talking and sharing and just being so open and vulnerable. Um, If you would like to, please share with the folks listening when and where and how they can find you and your work. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was a pleasure. And yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Stephanie N. Campos. Um, My website is Stephanie N. Campos. Amazing. Definitely go check out Stephanie. She's got some cool shit going on. (laughs) Um, And you can find me, your host at Sarita Fonta, S-E-R-I-T-A-F-O-N-T-A on all the platforms. Um, And you can follow the podcast at Not Ugly Pod. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. That was the end. Go tell a friend to listen to the Not Ugly Pod. Look, I'm still not a rapper. <laughs>